This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. Sorry, uh, we've been gone for a little while, but we're back because the transfer window is still in full swing. And uh, apologies, we've missed a couple of episodes because uh, we've had some very, very busy times at work. Trips and illness has uh, obliterated its way through the camp, the Talking Transfers camp. But we are back with a full squad today. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey. Nightman's top cat, Toby Cudworth, and Nightman's writer, editor, the Spurs and Brentford man, Sean Walsh. Let's uh, let's speak to Toby first. How are you doing, Toby? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Uh, my birthday last week, which interrupted Hawking Transfers recording, as you alluded to, exceptionally busy as well. And you were away in Vegas, Scott, which didn't help matters. But uh, yeah, lots for us to get into today. And um I think the transfer window, we've been saying it's been mad all summer long. This might be one of the maddest weeks that we've had, certainly the last 24, 48 hours. Lots happening. For you? For me personally, but also <laughs> a load of other deals that seem to be coming to a coming to a head, which we'll, uh, we'll discuss. A lot of birthdays in the camp, actually. Uh, Toby, Sean, myself. Graham, has your birthday been recently? When is uh, your no. birthday? December. Okay. <laughs> just imagining things that everyone's got a july august birthday because that is the best time of year to have a birthday anyway uh shawnee how's it going been on holiday as well yes i've been i've been to porto beautiful city very cheap city would recommend to anyone that goes um a lot of nonsense still happened while i was away that was when i remember i was on the beach on the coast having a nice day i get a notification on my phone arsenal moving for david rea and I pretty much just wanted to walk in the ocean and not look back. So <laughs> that really is something for me. I've, I'm working on an article, um, why Arsenal signing David Rea is worse for me than Sol Campbell. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we move forward. Life goes on, you know. Uh, um, just on that, actually. Now, I'm, I'm out of the loop. I know this mm. is happening. Who's going to be the number one there? It feels like there's enough momentum for it to be Ramsdale to start with, but I do think that it might be a thing where they rotate them in the Cups in the Champions League, so Ramsdale gets the Premier League games. He's the natural number one, but Rea comes in. I think he could put in some really good performances in the Cups in the Champions League, and he eventually ousts Ramsdale if he has a little injury or if he has a few weeks where he puts in a few stinkers. So I, I'm not buying the whole narrative that, oh, it's good to create this competition. I... I'm struggling to think of many situations where having two goalkeepers of this class really works in the long term. Yeah, I think so as well. Uh, Graham, any any intel on on that 
Raya Ramsdale call? Because I, I'm sure Aaron Ramsdale, when he signed a contract at the start of the summer, was thinking, oh, I can't wait to play in the Champions League. And what, how's it going to work? If it um, happens yeah, he's he's been signed. He's been signed to be um, number two. He's been signed to be high class backup. If you remember, Scott, a few months ago, we did talk about Ray possibly a number two elsewhere. He was linked to Manchester. Manchester United considered him for a long time to come in to back up David Rear and uh, David De Gea. Sorry, and we weren't sure about that. Um, I, I was always told that the clubs looking at him. Um, Aaron Ramsdale's Arsenal number one. Um, David Reyes coming in as top quality backup. Um, the, you know, if it's the Premier League just not as high on David Reyes as Sean is. <laughs> Simple as that. Um, he's he's just not as high. He's not as good as, as, as well. I, I'm not saying he's not as good as Sean thinks he's. I think he's a good keeper. The Premier League just don't agree. Um, he's coming in as a high class backup. Aaron Ramsdale firmly number one for Arsenal. Arteta loves him, but they do want the Arsenal progressing now to challenge the likes of City and Liverpool. Um, at the very top end. So you need a high-class number two. Matt Turner wasn't that man, which is why he's got Nottingham Forest. Um, and David Rea, yeah, does he try and compete at Brentford and, and, and wait until next summer? He's taking a chance. He thinks he may be able to assert um, Aaron Ramsdale. I don't think he will. But, um, yeah, high-quality backup. And, and, you know, he's not on a huge deal at Brentford. So he'll be getting a huge pay rise even by going to Arsenal, um, as we alluded to when we talked about United with him. I'm... You know, I'm slightly surprised. You know, I'm still amazed that Tottenham didn't push that one over the line. But um, one they might choose to regret, I think. I look at Chelsea as well and think, why? Why not? Because they Chelsea looked. They don't see. Is he is he nearly twice? What what did Sanchez go for? Twenty five. Rare nearly forty. Ten. Is he ten million pound better than Sanchez? Chelsea don't think so. Um, Sanchez come in to provide competition for Kepa. Kepa, um, they're fairly happy with Kepa. You know, obviously they, they would like to upgrade that position, but it's just not a priority at the moment. And so they brought Sanchez in as that backup. And and yeah, um, I said the Premier League just not as high on Rear and Sanchez as, as perhaps we were at ninety men. Graham, are you telling me that Alphonse Ariola is going to lose his title as the highest-paid number two goalkeeper in the Premier League? Is that what we're looking at? No, I don't think we will. I don't think we will get an Ariola contract. As we know, that's a huge contract, Toby. Um, a huge, ludicrous contract that West Ham handed him. I don't think Rio's getting that money um, either, to be honest. So, sorry, you'll keep that crown, Toby. <laughs> ah, well, today we'll talk about uh, Harry Kane, the latest on him, some other Tottenham business, uh, Bernardo Silva at Man City, whether he signs a new deal or leaves for potentially Barcelona. Will they push for him? We'll talk Carl Walker. We'll talk Christopher Nkunku, Dusan Vlajevic, Moises Caicedo, Mohamed Kudus, the West Ham double potential deal to take Manchester United stalwarts, uh, Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay to the London Stadium. We'll talk Neymar. We'll talk Liverpool going after Romeo Lavia and following Balogun at the end as well. I want to start today's show, though, with Graham's hot take on Rasmus Hoyland, who's just signed for Man United. Next season, Rasmus Hoyland won't score as many goals as Valt Veghorst, wherever he ends up. Oh, my God. <laughs> so you're saying Valt Veghorst can go to, like, is, is he going to... No, where, whichever club he ends up, he'll score more than Rasmus Hoyland. Whether he stays at Burnley, 
when he goes elsewhere, he will score more goals than Rasmus Hoyland next season. Is Graham, I, I would, I would just like to understand your default position on every piece, single piece of Man United business that they ever do is automatically terrible. Why? Why is this? Not at all. Not at all. Um, I think on that, on Andre Nana is a quality keeper, quality signing. I don't think it gets him in Manchester any more points next season. It improves him as a team footballing-wise in terms of what Ten Hag wants to do, but I don't think it earns you any more points. Most Mason Mount, I like Mason Mount as a player. As I've said in the show before, I just don't think Man United and Mason Mount are the right fit. I think it's a decent sign for both, but I just don't think he's the right player for you. In terms of Rasmus Hoyland... <laughs> It's just a huge, huge gamble. Um, for what, I, yeah, I saw his debut um, for Denmark. He looked good. I saw bits of him at Atalanta, and he looked decidedly average. I think it's a massive, massive gamble. Um, and I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan of it. I think Sesko's got more potential than him. I'll be honest. Well, to be um, fair, Graham, when I came to you talking about Benjamin Sesko, you said he was nothing special. Do you remember I that? Think, I do. Eighteen months. I, I think, but. I th- <laughs> Hoyland's got even Hoyland's got even less of a higher. I think Sesco's got a higher ceiling. I think he's proved it slightly from the time we since we spoke. Scott, he had that hat trick, didn't he? For I saw a bit more of him because obviously I haven't spoken about. It, we watched him a bit more. I take, took more of an interest in him actually, um, and I was impressed by what we saw. I and and don't get me wrong, Hoyland didn't choose his price tag. That's not a term. I think you've signed a forty million pound striker for probably twice nice, but that's not his fault, and I realise that and. Twice it, as it, much. It, yeah, it's a bit. I, f- I feel a bit sorry for him. The pressure is going to be huge. Um, obviously, we'll see what happens with Mason Greenwood and who else comes in. I wish. I think he would. We talked him. United ideally wanted two strikers, Scott, and he was obviously on the on the list of potential ones coming in. And I think that would, that would be in the ideal scenario for him. So I don't think he's a bad signing, but I just hope he doesn't go in straight away expecting 20, 30 goals next season from him. I suspect that might be the case. Um, I think a 10 to 15 goal season for Rasmus Hodgson would be a very good start. I don't, I don't that see. Yet. Yeah, I just I think it's a lot of money to pay, but I think they were backed into a corner, Scott, as we discussed off pod. I think they had to do it in the end, didn't they? They had little option um, elsewhere to do it. But I just, I don't think United have made massive improvements. The transfers have done, they've spent over £100 million. I don't see a huge improvement. I think they've improved in each of those positions drastically. But, but Toby, <laughs> just just to add, I think this is a very wild comparison. But I look at Hoyland's arrival and I go back twenty years to Robin van Persie turning up at Arsenal. He hadn't done a lot for Feyenoord, but he turned up. At, it's a similar situation, Graham. Van Persie hadn't done. I know the money is different, but you're talking about a twenty-year-old striker who clearly has got a little bit about him. Uh, Van Persie started off slow and I think he scored 10, 12 goals in his first couple of seasons at Arsenal and then he went on to become one of the best strikers in the world. I think it would be remiss of us to write Hoyland off and to say that he's got to score 25 or 30 in his first season. As you say, Scott, I think 10, 12 would be a really good start for him. And what he's going to be United striker, his intention is to be United striker for what, next seven, eight, nine years? That's where he's going to score his goals. The, the alternative is United could still be quabbling about a price on Harry Kane, like Bayern Munich are doing with the Premier League season just a few days away. Anyway, let's talk Harry Kane to start with because uh, who's got the latest? Sean, have you got the latest or has Graham got the latest? I can take it if you want, Graham. Yeah, please do, Sean. Yeah, so um, we understand that Kane has informed Tottenham that he will not consider Bayern's offer if he is still at the club by the time they take on Brentford on Sunday, which I think I think was kind of 
knowledge now that that was a situation that was going to happen. I think that Spurs have been confident throughout the summer that they will keep hold of Harry Kane. That was the view from across Europe that no matter what team puts in any kind of bid, Spurs will not relent. It got a bit, a little bit sticky last week. I think there was a lot of Spurs fans panicking that Bayern's improved offer might tempt Tottenham, but ultimately, I think they are going to they're going to remain firm in their evaluation. They're not going to let him go. Um, Bayern are they going to come back? They might still come back. But I think they would be wasting their time. I think that this is now there's too big a gap in the valuation um, of Kane with Tottenham to continue doing this. They should they should look at other targets. They are going to look at other targets, and I'm I'm happy for Spurs that Kane will at least stay for at least one more season. Spurs have always believed that they can convince Kane to sign a new contract, and we talked a few weeks ago, Graham, that the relationship with Ange Postecoglou could be a big factor in that. And all the noises out of Spurs are saying that. The early signs are good that Kane is buying into what Postecoglou wants to preach with his football. I've been really impressed with how he's handled the saga in general. He's been quite straightforward. Like, if Harry's here, great. If he's not, then I just want to know so I can work with the group so we can know what we're going with going forward. He's not someone who really minces his words. He's not someone who just kind of beats around the bush. He's very to the point. Um, got the first glimpse of that on Sunday at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. There was a moment midway through the first half where... Pierre Mohorebeck hoofed the ball away under absolutely no pressure and Postacoglu let him know about it from the touchline. He was very, very upset. And I think this mixture of charisma, of no nonsense, of wanting to play this attacking round of football, these are all things that Spurs needed to instill. And this will, I'm not saying it's going to keep Kane in the long term, but it should help their case to him signing a new contract eventually. Anything to add on that, Graham? Is it looking unlikely now that this move is going to... Well, to be fair, we never... Uh, we, we spoke on this podcast months ago and we said, can you really see this coming off? <laughs> no, we, we are. We, we were we were one of the first to push the Bayern Munich interest, weren't we? So we found about that a while ago. And, and even when we knew about it, we weren't convinced. Um, in the ideal world, it is a good fit. But do I see it? I, I, my understanding is that here now he's in a position where he can give this Ange ball a chance, um, come and then come January, he's gonna have all the options in the world. Why, why do why sign a deal with Bayern now? Bayern aren't going anywhere, they were there in January, but who else is going to be there in January? Could be an awful lot of clubs there in January, um, including Tottenham, and he might very well sign this new deal. It's better to have all the options available to him, and I think that's the way he's going ahead of European Championships. Um, it could be a sensational 12 months again. I think he's quite happy to have those options available to him, you know. he's he there has been talks with buying, but how I think a lot of this positivity about getting a deal done has come from the buying end. It really has. It's come from Germany. Um, and yeah, I've never really been that convinced that he was going to do it. And will Bayern be able to get his deal done by Saturday? Kane will won't have talks after Saturday once the Premier League season started. Is our understanding? So um, I don't see it. No, I think he's definitely staying from from as we speak. Are buying going to switch targets then? It's, it's a possibility. We did a piece on, on the website earlier this week. We know they have been in touch again with Vlavic's people. Again, we always said Vlavic is such a fascinating figure in this window. Um, we'll talk about the Chelsea stuff and the injury to Kunk and what that might mean. But I think he's on their list. It, it's interesting that Randall Colomowani, a player who I always thought that Bayern would turn to, has suddenly agreed terms with PSG. And if you think about it, he's, he's the ideal. We've already signed Gonzalo Ramos as well. Yeah, but Colin Moani's that Mbappe replacement, isn't he? On the, we saw him come on. And we, we, 
he came on the left for France, didn't he? I think he's a perfect replacement for him. I really do. And so, um, with Neymar possibly, we'll touch on Neymar in, in the show maybe later, with him moving out, um, I think PSG made some sensible signings. And Colin Moani, he looks like they'll miss out on him. Yeah, so what, what do Bayern do? Um, it, it, and we, we talked about, uh, I think off-pod Jonathan David might become an option for Bayern, although they're not in love with him. So, it's a fascinating, fascinating to see where Bayern are going to go with this. Uh, Sean, let's just jump back to Spurs because there's some other players who are potentially on the agenda for them. Just wanted to ask you a question. Are Spurs going to concede a lot of goals this year? Yes, definitely. <laughs> um, uh, the hope is that, so obviously Spurs conceded 63 last season, which was this bar two. I think only the relegated clubs had a worse record than that. It was an astonishingly poor defensive season. I can't imagine it massively improving anytime soon just because I think this is the first season under a new manager who wants to play this really high line that could spell trouble but my saving grace is that the difference between um, Spurs' goals against record and their expected goals against it was staggering and it pointed to the keeper being completely useless so all Guglielmo Vicario has to do <laughs> is not be at fault for um, 10 or 12 points this season and Spurs should be a little bit better in the defensive department, um, by the time this pods up, I imagine that Spurs will have announced the signing of Mickey van der Ven from Wolfsburg. One of their top two targets in that position alongside Edmund Tapsebert. He is rapid. I haven't seen many defenders as quick as him off the mark. That will really help with playing um, in a high back line. And Ange Postacoglu got asked this on Sunday about van der Ven in particular. And he gave a, a good answer because he was very adamant with the Kane thing. He was like, I'm not going to speak about contracted players, other clubs. And so when he was asked about Van der Ven, he kind of scooted around it, but basically just described, oh, yeah, we want players who can come in, they can play aggressive in this high line, they can bring the ball out, just describing Van der Ven, basically, without saying his name. And that should help. I think he is a very raw prospect, which, you know, for a defender to be raw is quite... It's a little bit of a worry if they're coming in straight away and he's having to play alongside a real aggressor in Christian Romero. It could, it could, there will be games this season. I saw a tweet the other day, Sean, uh, something along the lines of Poro, Udoji, uh, Romero and Van de Ven is just the funniest back four you could potentially ever concoct. I am now believing that I don't think Poro can start in this team. <laughs> I, th- I, th- I think Emerson will start to begin with just as a more conservative option, someone who tracks back a little bit more, but... I, I think there'll be a world where Poro starts right wing in some games, which is a little bit mad to think of. Uh, it's one of those, it just points to the kind of the transfer strategy of the last few years has really been, it's, it's, it's this kind of dual thing where they, Spurs are back to the manager, but they also really haven't put much thought into the long term. Like when Spurs made Poro 45 mil signing back in January, knowing that Conte was probably going to leave and they were going to have to ditch this wing-back system at some point. It just it was just ludicrous at the time, but whatever. Well, there we go. Uh, Harry Kane potentially looking like he's staying. There's, Graham, there's, a, there's another potential signing that Tottenham could make, a striker from South America. Is, is this reliant on Harry Kane or is this just going to... How are we looking with this? So Villas, yes. yeah, um, no, he's coming anyway. He's been a long-term target of them. They've been quite a few clubs to him. Very talented boy. Um, chances are he's loaned back to Argentina for six months at least, maybe uh, 
Um, he's just he's one for the long term. Interesting. I was going to touch with Sean actually. Sean, did you notice that? Um, and this came up in Scotland. Rio Hotati was dropped by Brendan Rodgers at the weekend, much to the chagrin of a lot of Celtic fans. They think that's um, a sign of things to come. Recognised by many as the best midfielder in Scotland, uh, had a wonderful pre-season as well. And he didn't start at the weekend, which raises through eyebrows. Um, still, wouldn't surprise me if he turned up at Tottenham, would it? You? Of all the Celtic players that have been linked with Spurs, he's probably the one that I'd be happiest with most. That said, I think that. I feel like Spurs are quite set with their midfield options. I want to see um, Pepe Sar and Oliver Skip give him more game time while Benton Cole comes back from ACL injury. If Atate comes in, I wouldn't be like totally against it, but I think that we are quite set there. I feel like some more defensive reinforcements should be higher up Spurs' priority list, but not Cameron Carter-Vickers. Just a couple of notes. I'm seeing that Tottenham are in the process of announcing uh, Van de Ven now. They've done, Ooh. as I'll show you, they've just posted this on their socials with the it's basically his face but blanked out and uh news from uh, just on the pipeline about where Vagos is going Hoffenheim potentially so there you go that's good Excellent. news for, that's good news did, for Graham's bet because Vagos we... scored Two goals in the Premier League in 37 games. <laughs> Good job he's not standing up. He, didn't score, uh, he scored zero Premier League goals last season. He scored if two he scored, goals on the whole. Do you know what? And I'll tell you what, if he scored zero again, Highland will be closer to Veghorst than he will be Haaland. I don't away. think that is a... <laughs> I, I don't think that's... And, that's not think, an outstanding take, to be honest. To be fair, I'd, and I'd, to be fair, I'd not, if he is going to Hoffenheim, it's a very good fit for him. I don't think many people would take me up on that anyway. But I say I, I don't think Vegas is as as poor as, as United numbers have suggested. But um, no, and I'm not having to go at Highland. It's just for that money. Well, you pound, are. Pound for pound. It's well, I am. Yeah. Kid. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not a good signing. It's not. There you go. It's not a good sign. And I'm, six, I'm sorry, I, six I, I, foot I, four I, can I, do can do hundred meters in ten seconds. I just want over. United. Strong as an ox. You six could be six for Denmark. You could, you could be describing Ashley Fletcher for those first few stats. Just because you've got everything in your locker doesn't mean you use it. But it, it's one of those. I just I think United have just blown a lot of money. A hundred million. You spent a hundred million on three players, and you barely improved, in my opinion. But we'll see. Uh, well, that's what the predictions are for, and we'll see what United do. And I, I'm I'm annoyed for actually. I'm How low do you for, have United on the table? Um, I can't remember my picks. Do you know what? Who's won me over in their pre-season analysis? Sean's won me over. I think I've got Tottenham fourth. Um, <laughs> with, with brackets, brackets with Kane staying. If Kane didn't stay, I wouldn't. I've got Spurs in fourth. I think I've got United fifth or sixth. Scott, so not too low. <gasps> not too low. I've got Liverpool. I've got. I think the top three. I think the top three are done. I think the top three are gone. And then it's a, a fantastic battle for fourth, fifth, and sixth. I've, or do I have? I've got Villa quite. I've got Villa fourth or fifth as well. Oh, of course, yeah, obviously, yeah. Um, but I've got I've got Chelsea and Newcastle below United. I know that. Um, but I think that fourth first battle is going to be brilliant. But I feel a bit sorry for United fans. I think coming in. Well, as I, I said, I think I think the summer so far. I'm quite I think happy. It, it could have been so much more though. I'm frustrated for United fans. I think it could have been so much more. I really do. I feel like I'm getting the spade out, but I'm sure, G, that you told us Chelsea would be in title contention with Mauricio Pochettino. Now you're saying that they might be. I can't, do you know what? I, 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 we're doing our obviously in 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 office predictions for the for the website, and I'm just trying to remember. I've sent to our colleague Jack. Um, I'm quite, I can't quite remember what my top six or it's like top six, seven, eight now, isn't it? It's a, there's that many teams there. Oh, you it's could even go as far as nine. Lot. You could go as far as nine, really. 
Villa, Brighton, Newcastle. I went for a spoiler. I did go City, Arsenal, Liverpool, Tottenham, Villa, United, Chelsea, Newcastle. Tottenham, Villa, United. Fair play. Aston Villa. Although I think Villa tenth for what it's worth. I I, I think there's like, I think it could be like like one or two points between all those all season as well. It could be a knife edge between those. Let's uh Toby, have you have you got Arsenal to win the League of City? City. Yeah. I I don't think you can ever look beyond City. Until they lose it once, then you can start betting against them, but I don't see how you can view it any other way. Really, I know Sean's actually going to pipe up and say he's gone for Arsenal, but for me, City have got the proven track record. They've got to lose it first. Yeah. Where have you got Liverpool, Scott? Scott, Scott, where have you got Liverpool? Fourth. I also have fourth. Great. I've got United second, so there we go. (laughs) Okay. It's it's, it's not... Second, third last season, improvement of one position after signing players. I in agree. Each I agree. Yeah, go ahead, Graham, Graham hey, where do you think yeah. Borough are going to finish this season? <laughs> uh, well, no comment. I definitely think you finish second, <laughs> second, second in Manchester. Hey, second. Hey, I'm, I, I'm saying second I, in I, Manchester. I, yes, I, 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 sh- I yeah. should. I shouldn't be slated for supporting my hometown club. I shouldn't be slated for that. But um, no, we'll we'll look at Mills at the end of August when we get some loan players. Hopefully, maybe some from United. Hopefully, Michael Carrick can pull a few strings. But um, you also I was thought Michael some, Carrick was, some was crap when you appointed him. <laughs> so I'm just well. Gonna... I was some. I was. I thought he was untested. Kieran McKenna as well. But uh, but there we go. I've never slated Kieran McKenna. He came from Oligan Solskjaer's coaching team. Graham. I never slated. I Kieran McKenna was a fantastic appointment for Ipswich. And if you look back on my pre-match podcast, my slide line, you will hear me praising Kieran McKenna every week. Okay, let's uh, let's talk Man City because uh, Bernardo Silva is has wanted to go for what seems like forever. Uh, but could he re-sign, Graham? There's that possibility. We spoke about him being offered the terms um, that would take him onto the level of De Bruyne and Haaland. Um, he's obviously he's not in the poor house now, but he would certainly go to that next level um, in terms of Premier League players, one of the highest-paid players in the Premier League he would become if he signed this new deal. City are really in a quandary here because they've always, they've always said they won't keep an unhappy player. But such has been this summer of losing Mares. They've let Mares go because he was unhappy, ironically. Um, Gundogan left. And Silva Vinova just not in a position to replace him at all. So as as a as a sort of cushion to him staying, they have offered him this deal. They they thought they'd priced him out the market. They well, not priced him out, but they said, look, we will let you go at 80 million, which we reported, and, and they said that. Obviously, but then PSG said, well, actually, we'll pay that. So I thought, mm, okay. And then suddenly Barcelona are back in the money again with Dembele leaving, Kessie leaving, etc. Suddenly Barcelona could actually probably come up with some sort of deal to get Silva. So on, on the back, off the back of that, City have just, this week, we understand Silva told Guardiola again that he wanted to leave, but City have, have been very firm, saying, look, we just can't afford to let you go. And and as it stands, as I've said, it'd be a major shock if City bent, even it bent to that will. Um, they're gonna have to keep him. As Toby said on previous editions as well, it'd make no sense for Silva to go now. And I think City realised that. And um I think Silva's probably realising that now. So yeah, he wants to leave, but hey, that extra few thousand pound a week might come in, might come in handy, might might be useful, useful cushion for the blow, as we say. Um, but yeah, more than likely, if he does stay, he will sign a new deal. 
Um, but as it stands, very likely he stays. Even, even though Barcelona are making a push, they are trying to sign him and Cancelo. So Barcelona are pushing. Uh, Cole Palmer scoring in the Community Shield uh, from the right wing. Is a new... Obviously, Mahrez is gone. Mm-hmm. Is a new winger possible for City? How are they approaching this? And uh, let's throw Carl Walker in there as well. What's the latest? Yeah, Cole Palmer's interesting because Brighton like Cole Palmer a lot and, and they really thought there was a chance of getting him out. Um, obviously, what he's done around the first team now looks unlikely. James McAtee, another one, but City are probably likely to keep, even though there's a lot of interest in him as well. So... Keep an eye on Cole Palmer. He's an interesting one. If he doesn't feature in the start of the Premier League campaign, there may be something happening there. But we'll, we'll see on him. In terms of Kyle Walker, buying pushing again. But Kyle Walker, had a, um, as the media highlighted, he had a long meeting at um, one of the Japanese restaurants in Manchester, which Pep took his bicycle to. Um, I, think... pay the, I see he didn't pay the bill for it, though. and Or he did pay the bill for it and he wasn't happy about it. Oh, I thought you said they did. A, they both did, they did a runner on his bike. I didn't. I didn't read into. <laughs> I must admit, I didn't read too much detail into it. But as it's that, it looks like Walker's going to stay. I think from what I'm hearing, he's he's happy that City have offered him this deal. I think Pep's trying to reassure him. You know, Kyle Walker's in the same boat as um, Riyad Mahrez. Not not happy about missing the Champions League final, but I think Pep's moved that over. Um, we are told that if Kyle Walker did leave, they probably wouldn't look for reinforcements. Uh, they're quite happy with Rico Lewis. John Stones can fill in the kanji. But, you know, Pep really doesn't want to lose Walker. So, as as we are recording here, it doesn't look like Walker and Silver are going. And what was it? The, There's another one as well. The City. Um, uh, oh, we... they have a winger. Yeah, winger-wise, yeah. They, they are looking at wingers. Uh, we reported Bradley Barcaller at Leon, who PSG, another one they're trying to get. Um, City are looking at him um, strongly. It's been backed up in France now that um, City are keen on him, whether it's this window or not. Michael Lise is an interesting one. City do like him a lot, but it's our information that he's probably Chelsea-bound. So I think if there's, a, if there's a winger deal, there's one there to be had, they will do it. But I don't think they're desperate for a winger as it stands. Interesting. Uh, let's move to Chelsea because we've just had some news as we record this. Chelsea have made a statement on Christopher Nkunku. And the likelihood is that he's out for three and a half months, 16 weeks before he can resume training. Uh, sustained an injury in pre-season. Obviously, this, Toby, this is one, <laughs> like all the best, obviously, to Christopher Nkunku. But I think this is one that's, Chelsea did this deal last year. We kept forgetting that he was going to be one of the 50,000 players that they added to their team. Now their team has completely changed now was the time for him to come in and obviously be one of the probably leaders of this new new Chelsea. And now he's out for X amount of time and just seems like, is he ever going to play for them? Yeah, I made the joke this morning to the guys that I've just about remembered that Nkunku plays for Chelsea. Now he's suffered this injury. It looked pretty good in pre-season by all accounts. And I think there was a bit of a buzz and a bit of an excitement around how he'd done in those first couple of games under Poch. Obviously, a huge blow to lose him for such a prolonged period of time um, would explain potentially the move for Michael Elise because I've always thought Chelsea are quite well stocked for wingers and we know Nkunku can play in multiple positions. I would expect that Elise deal to definitely go ahead now with Nkunku's injury Um, and we may see Noni Madweke have more of a prominent role in the first team 
Um, we obviously expect Mudrick to have a, a say in what Chelsea do this season. He's taken a number 10 shirt, so that's quite a big deal for him to take that on. Uh, and Kunku's goals will be missed more than anything. I still look at Chelsea and think who's going to score their goals this season. I know Nicholas Jackson's looked quite bright, but Nkunku was probably the guy they were looking to to get them off the mark quite quickly. Um, now not having him around, quite a lot of pressure on probably Raheem Sterling as well to step up and carry this Chelsea team forward. But a blow for Poch, but I think if any manager can kind of navigate injury problems, it is probably Pochettino. He's He's done it before with Harry Kane being the the saviour of Spurs on so many occasions. Um, I think Chelsea will be all right, but yeah, huge blow. I was going to say, um, when Pochettino first came into Spurs, you were looking around and again wondering where the goal's going to come from. They went into the 14-15 season, Emmanuel Adebayor and Roberto Soldado were the two main strikers in that squad. Um, apart from that, you had Eric Lamella, who'd played about nine games the year before. The season were cut short due to a back injury. Nasser Chadley scored once, on arrival from FC Twente. Ericsson chips in with goals here and there, but wasn't kind of the consistent source of goals. But Pochettino got goal scores out of that team. Chadley hit double figures. Ericsson hit double figures. Kane became everything and more that you'd ever hoped for in a striker. Poch will find a way to get goals out of this team. Deli Alli came in the year after, straight away. Moved him high up pitch, got him to score goals. Pochettino will find a way. He's a good problem solver like that. I think, obviously, Chelsea, this is a huge blow to lose and Kunku, who, as you said, probably maybe not a core member of the team, but maybe the face on the poster outside Stanford Bridge for this new era. Um, that's obviously a big blow, but they will find a way and that should excite Chelsea fans. Okay, what, how is Pochettino going to work his magic now? Chelsea have had the most football manager of transfer windows I think I might have ever seen. And they've done the most football manager of squad number changes I think I might have ever seen. They have essentially changed their entire squad uh, squad numbers-wise, Enzo has moved from five to eight. Raheem Sterling moved to seven. Mudrik to ten, as Toby mentioned there. Uh, and Kunku's taken 18. But noticeably, there's the absence of an assigned number four and an assigned number nine. So does Graham, does that give you indications on which positions Chelsea would like to strengthen in before the window closes? A defensive mid and a, and a striker. Yeah, midfield strikers um, is where they're looking. Um, at least, at least two midfielders we think. Um, Moses Caicedo we know is their prime option. That we expect another bid to go in this week. Actually, we're seeing they're up to eighty million now. Brighton standing firm. Caicedo did miss training this week. Apparently, that was allowed, but um, indications are that he really is pushing for this move now. If Chelsea get to ninety. Um, It'll be close, but you know Chelsea want this deal. It's the add-ons, you know, that's going to do this. They want the hundred million pound deal to be, to be the value of the deal. I think they'll get it, but will it be done by Saturday? Hmm. Looking unlikely at this stage, whether Chelsea get that high by that point. But they do want him. He's their main target. They're looking elsewhere as well. Um, like so, Tyler Adams from Leeds is someone who they've spoken about. He would be as well as Kai Sado, not instead of. Um, it was the same with Lavia. You know, when they were talking about Lavia, it would be to go with him, not instead of. And the, fo- the forward ones are really interesting option. They have been in talks with Juventus about Vlaovic. Juve put forward the idea of a swap deal with another forty million that Chelsea would have to give them on top for the deal. There was, there is interest from Chelsea. They've liked Vlaovic, so he was always an option for them. 
I think Chelsea, from what I'm told, saw it as more of a straight swap with Lukaku. That was would, would be the ideal scenario. But such is the desperation of Chelsea to get Lukaku out. Now, tied in with the, the Nkunku injury, wouldn't surprise me to see his Vlavic one move forward. You know, I don't think they're happy about paying 40, but, you know, in the 20-30 with Lukaku, I could see it happening. And and don't rule out Mohamed Kudos either. You know, he's a, he's a player who Chelsea's spoken to as well. Would he be better suited to replace Nkunku? Quite possibly. So it's interesting. Brighton are really trying to get Kudos over the line, but as yet he hasn't given the player hasn't given his green light to that deal. So, so that's where we stand clubs. on that. It's just obviously we saw the other day that Brighton have agreed a fee, but yeah. Kudos for the for the duration of the the summer really has been holding out for a, a one of the big clubs. I'm guessing. He has, and he knows his interest there, Scott. You know, we know United have, a, have, a, have always been long-term admirers, and at some point they might still come back for him. Um, we know Arsenal like him as well. You know, who we saw Kai Havertz struggle at the weekend, but Kudos looks as if he would fit in that Arsenal system as well. I think his people know, if maybe if we wait a couple of weeks, they might get one of these big boys in the Premier League. No disrespect to Brighton, but... Chelsea, Arsenal, Manchester United, you know, it's um, them opportunities don't always come around. And and so I think I, he's he's waiting for that ideally, but Brighton are pushing hard on there. So was that that one next few days we'll see how that one transpires. Toby, take us through a very very hot irons in the fire for this week because uh, there is a a deal which is being done as we speak. A medical is being undertaken by a new signing. Yeah, we'll start with that one, shall we? Edson Alvarez. I think we first reported on this, Graham, back in October last year that West Ham had sent scouts to Holland to watch Edson Alvarez. They were watching Ibrahim Sanger from PSV Eindhoven. And then that kind of went a little bit quiet. We know Alvarez was on Chelsea and Manchester United's radar. West Ham, as we know, have been pushing for many, many, many midfield targets. But Alvarez is the one that they finally agreed a deal for. Uh, We understand the fee could get up to £34 million for him. He's in London now having a medical as we record this, he's going to sign a five-year deal. Um, so from West Ham's point of view, a much needed signing once the medical is completed. And if there's not any problems with the paperwork or a last minute change of heart, he'll be the first one in through the door. But it's not the only move that West Ham are, are working on. Manchester United's Harry Maguire. Try not to smile too much, Scott. Scott McTominay as well. I'm not smiling, Tony. <laughs> You'll certainly take what I'm about to say. West Ham offering £30 million for Harry Maguire yesterday. Already had a £20 million offer rejected by Manchester United. Maguire's on huge wages. Doesn't matter to David Moyes. He wants Harry Maguire. He wants a new centre-back. £30 million offer also in for Scott McTominay, who we understand is not desperate to leave Old Trafford. And he actually thinks that he could still get some first-team football at United this season with Fred and Donny van der Beek looking likely to go. McTominay thinks he could stay put. United would be open to selling him if the price was right. But as it stands, those two offers from West Ham, both £30 million separate offers, rejected by United. Would anticipate West Ham will go back in for Harry Maguire. Um, problem there is the wages, as I've already mentioned, he's on a lot of money and there'd probably need to be a compromise from Maguire or from United to pay a contribution towards Maguire's wages. McTominay, not so sure whether or not West Ham will go back in for him and make another bid. They've got a number of other players on their shortlist. James Ward-Prowse, one they could go back and revisit. They've had bids for him rejected. Yusuf Fafana at Monaco, an option. 
their interest in signing Dennis Sicaria, who was on West Ham's list. So that could free up space for Fafana to go. It's not to say West Ham won't go back, but I think United's asking price from McTominay might be a bit of a stretch um, for what West Ham are wanting to pay. But West Ham wants six signings, Graham, between now and the end of August, which is quite a lot of business still to do. Yeah, and you know, as as we've highlighted on the pod, Toby, it's been a bit of um, we 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 spoke about this a few weeks ago, and a lot of people have um, not jumped on, but a lot of people reporting the same now that there's been a lot of uh, disputes in the background between Tim Steedham, the new technical director, and David Moyes, the manager. And these 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 two sets of bids highlight it massively, don't they? Where you know Tim Steedham's bringing in. Is this David Moyes winning that winning that battle or? Well, I'd say it's one little Tim Steen at the minute, Scott, because it's his man coming in from Ajax. Well, um, yeah, okay. Um, but is it going to be 2-1 David Moyes if these two United deals come off? Uh, it would be if they come off. I think that's a very big if. Um, and it's just the way the way West Ham are going. Um, it's it's a really tough situation to working through. Um, and we'll see with the strikers, the different one links again. Uh, we've seen Skamaka go, but there's a massive difference of opinion between which striker should come in. Um, Eliwahi is um, the option for Tim Steeden from Montpellier, who most West Ham fans would love to see come in, one of the best young strikers in Europe. Um, but our understanding that David Moyes quite likes Divock Origi, the former Liverpool striker at AC Milan. And that just sums up the two camps perfectly. They really, we said that before, Toby, on the pod. If anything sums up these two camps, it's it's look at who the target for the next striker. Um, I don't mean to laugh, but if, if soil West and Ham, water, it, it, exactly, Scott. And you know, for, for for who and who, I just can't help stopping. I like Divock Origi as a person, but who on earth is targeting him as a striker in 2023 for the Premier Maybe League? <laughs> exactly, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And Joe, you know, Joe, you know what? And I think to, for Tim Steeden, in terms of if he's trying to win the fans over. He just has to release who David Moyes is trying to sign, and that does his job for him. Dominic Solanke, another name we can throw into that striker mix. West Ham interested in him. No bid made, contrary to reports elsewhere, but West Ham have looked at him. Interesting to know, Alvarez, he is a Steeden target. Steeden's pushing for this one to get done. West Ham did scout Alvarez prior to Steeden's arrival, so this is actually a, a Rob Newman identification really or the old recruitment team but it's one that students very much taken on but did Rob Newman actually like they did watch him but did Rob Newman like him that's what we haven't fully got to the bottom of because West Ham didn't pursue that obviously now it's come to the fore the deal is happening barring any last minute disasters um but yeah, it's chalk and cheese, isn't it? We know Moyes wants proven Premier League experience. Tim Steeden is trying to build for the future. It's a very similar situation to Spurs, Sean. You don't really know which direction you're pulling in. And if you're putting all the eggs in the manager basket and then the manager's going to be gone within the next 12 months, what's the point? So West but Ham... Tell me how, got... fasc- how fascinating was that um, defeat at the West Ham for West Ham? Well, ironically, wasn't it, that they were playing by Leverkusen and the team that Steeden had built and they absolutely pummeled you, didn't they? Played off the park, yeah, worryingly so. Uh, four, four, so look, four, nil, 4 nil in the end. 4 nil could easily have been more. Huge <laughs> three weeks coming up for West Ham. We're all taking our bets on who the first Premier League manager is to go. A lot of us had said Julian Lopetegui if he was in charge prior to the season starting, but David Moyes will be very high on a lot he's, of people. He's my pick. Yeah. My so, 
West Ham's transfer strategy surely cannot be based around just what David Moyes wants. If his position is this precarious already and we haven't even got going, it just points towards disaster, as Sean could attest to with the Conte area, if West Ham don't sign the right players. Maguire in a rig. What's wrong with your TC? That's a fantastic. <laughs> Maguire in a back three with reduced wages. I don't hate it. Maguire in a back four, I worry about. Uh, with Who would his centre-back partner be? Kurt Zuma. <laughs> well, this is the thing. Kurt Zuma perennially, perennially, I can't say that word. Perennially. Ooh, yes, that's injured. Uh, Nayef Agued would prefer to play on the left oh, side. Yeah. He can play on the right side, but he's left-footed. So that doesn't really work. You've got your me, pace there, though. Next to next to Harry Maguire, you do. Anyway. He's the Mickey Van der Ven bailout <laughs> option with pace. <laughs> it's just, it's just I you don't, don't necessarily you think don't, it works. You don't appoint Toby D. You don't appoint one of Europe's best talent spotters to sign Harry Maguire, Scott McTominay, and Divock Origi. It's just bizarre, isn't it? It really is. I here's my uh, if, if Scott McTominay joins West Ham, he scores ten goals this season for West Ham. Is that more than Rasmus Hoyland's got? Uh, it might be. <laughs> wow, 10 goals. Wow. No, I, do, I, do, I, I like, of, of all those ones we've spoke about, though, I, you can, McTominay, although not a massive scene, you can see him improving and, and becoming a very, very good Premier League player at West Ham. The other two, not so much, but you can, you can see the dudes. I can see why someone would want McTominay. I think he's but largely I, been misprofiled by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer yeah. for five Plus years, I, I think he's a. I think he's an eight. But person. Scott, you can see why as well. That Matoma is sat there thinking, "Wait a minute, Van der Beek's going out the door, Fred's going out the door." You can sort of see why Matoma is thinking, "I'll hang around here because I'm not too far away from the first team anyway." Well, or, I'd or suggest not. if if Amrabat comes in, Kobe Menu would be ahead of him. Mm. I think I, 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 to be honest, I don't really see how he's going to get that football. But all I would be... say from a West Ham point of view on that. Look, Tom, there's no resale value. If a thirty million pound bid has been rejected, how high have you got to go to get him? And then what are you going to do with him? Ten years of solid years? service, Toby. Ten years <sighs> of solid service. Yeah, I'm not convinced, mate. You can try and persuade me all you want, but you just want the money. Do you know what? I, you know what? I, I'm surprised. Scott McTominay, I think he's like a poor man's Gareth Southgate. I think he'd make a great centre half. I see him for Scotland. He looks really, really good. I think he'd make a tremendous centre half. Harry Maguire and Scott McTominay back centre centre back pairing, Toby. I'd probably rather have McTominay ahead of Maguire at centre half. That's what I'm saying. There you go. It's not a lot of pace there, is there? Not a lot of pace. Uh just just to touch on United, Amrabat uh is the the profiled potential replacement because Fred might leave soon. Fred van der Beek, those kinds of players on their way out, McTominay possibly. Uh United doing a bit of a clear out. And there's another sign in the United could make that Graham doesn't like. Shock horror. Who who could that be? It's not Amrabat. I like Amrabat, but there is, um, there is um, we understand Juventus have started um, conversations with Amrabat as well as Atletico, so not done and dusted that one. Um, who were we referring to, Scott? Sorry? Uh, Todibo. Oh, Jean-Claire Todibo, yeah. Um, the nice centre-back who does have an offer from Saudi Arabia, as we speak. Um, United have touched base with his representatives. There's no bids going in. They've just been asked to keep informed of events. A bit like Axel de Sassi, who went to Chelsea. It's a similar situation, Scott, where if Maguire does go, they don't want to be caught in the hop. And there is others to talk to as well, not just to Debo. But United are making sure that if Maguire does go out the door, they do have options lined up. And to Debo is one who they've considered. Yes, indeed. Let's uh, switch some gears 
just a few minutes left of the show because we're already 45 minutes in. We can't keep doing our five-minute editions of this show. Uh, PSG pushing out Neymar. Will they get him out, Graham? If they get their way. Obviously, we've spoken about um, Randall Kawani, Randall Kolo Moani coming in, in and Goncalo Ramos, who's coming on a very similar deal to what they did with Mbappe. He's um, a loan deal with a mandatory of close to £70 million. For Ramos, so they are making acquisitions. Neymar is one where he's denied. Um, Lakeep, his father's had the right go at Lakeep this morning. Um, talking about fake news, etc. But PSG, um, they're the ones pushing Neymar out, they really want him to go. There is interest from, from Piff, as we reported in the past. Um, we revealed that they were very keen on taking him to Newcastle. Is this is this the deal that he goes to Pro League, comes on loan somewhere, wouldn't rule it out? Piff are desperate to get him to Saudi. It's an option, and I I, th- I think they will force Neymar. I do. I don't. I, you know the fans got on his back last season. I think he would. He's he's a bit like João Felix and Bernardo Silva. He's on this Barcelona taxi rank where there's people at Barcelona who would like Neymar back. Xavi isn't particularly one of them. But whilst there's this option, and like we're saying, Joao Felix, or you, you, you're saying there's a chance, you know, it's it's like um, they're saying there's a small chance, so they're waiting. Bernardo Silva doesn't happen. Who did it go for instead? So I think they're hanging on a little bit for Barca, but yeah, I think Neymar probably will leave, and I suspect it might be to Saudi Arabia if he does go. Let's move on to. We'll come to Romeo Lavia last. Okay, no. I've got Marco Verratti's moved to Saudi. Is stalling. Everything was agreed, personal terms. They were going to pay 30 million euros, but PSG, who ironically are talking to to Piff about Verratti, so obviously they're talking about Neymar as well. They want double that. They want 60 mil, 60 to 50 million euros. So at the moment, Verratti's saying, and that would quite quite suit Luis Enrique of all the players who were going out. He wouldn't stand in the way of Neymar or Mbappe, but he does want to keep Verratti, so he may end up staying. I guess what PSG have made nine signings so far this summer, and they, they still might do more. That, that's including uh, young players as well. But that's a hell of a revolution. Uh, seems to be that. <laughs> that seems to be the case every summer. But uh, let's let's talk Arsenal following Balogun. How much are they looking for for him, Graham? And Monaco have interest. Inter have interest. Is that right? Yeah, we're not into like him a lot, um, but have done. But it's this 40, I'd been looking for 40 million euros um, price tag. Um, Monaco's a new one, you know, because Breland Bolo has suffered this um, ACL injury, I think it is. Um, and suddenly Balogun, who performed so well in Liga Earn last, last season with Stad Ream, he's an option for them now. But at the moment, everyone's been put off by this price tag. It's a, it does seem a little bit excessive. 40 million euros. Um, I think Arsenal will come down, especially if he moves abroad. There's been a bit of interest in England, but not too much. Um, but yeah, I think you might see Monaco make a real firm push for him now. Um, and then it'll be between Inter. If Obviously, it doesn't look as if they're going to come back in for Lukaku. So Inter do need another one. Um, and it may come down to the player's preference, really. And it'll be interesting choice between Monaco and Inter. But they're the two in, who are pushing hardest as it stands. And uh, final one of the show, Romeo Lavia. Liverpool have had three bids rejected for the Southampton midfielder. Highly rated midfielder, obviously should do a good job for them if they can get him. But Southampton holding out for 50 million. Liverpool have not met that figure yet. Will they meet that figure? I think the deal gets done. They're only five million apart now. 
in, uh, with add-ons. They want 50 million including add-ons, so it's a bit easier to get to, isn't it, rather than just 50 million flat, etc. So not far away. I think this one could be done by the weekend. This one could be done before Liverpool kick off their weekend. Um, apologies, I don't know who Liverpool starts against. Ah, there we go. Um, so I don't think he'll feature in that game, but I think he could be a Liverpool player by that point. Is that Possibly. it then for Liverpool in terms of incomings? or Because they, they don't still... have any defensive midfielders. Well, they would have one in Lavia, but um... well, yeah, but one <laughs> yeah. you can't have yeah. one. Um, they are looking at centre half still. This left-sided defender, obviously Van der Veen, who's just signed for Tottenham. He was one on Liverpool's list, but I think the, the price went a bit high. Wouldn't surprise me if they do bring a, a centre half in, but it, it's it's not something they're absolutely desperate for. I think if one comes about, Liverpool just won't overpay. So it's it's one to look at. Yeah, the defensive midfield is an interesting one. You know, Curtis Jones has been filling in there as well, as you say, Scott. But they look a tad light in there. I think even with Lavia going in, I think you're right. I think they look a little bit light. I think we did this before the show, but I was trying to work this out. And we'll, we'll do it as a sign-off. I was trying to work this out. Will Spurs or Liverpool average more goals per game scoring and conceding this season? Because for me, I'm, I'm looking at Liverpool in pre-season. There's a lot of goals going in. The way Sean's describing how Spurs are going to play, there's going to be a lot of goals. It'd be fun to watch both of them. Who are we saying? I, I'm going to go... I'm going to go Spurs. Just. Totally. I, would agree. I would agree. More carnage in Spurs games. Liverpool have this annoying habit of stringing together clean sheets in amongst the chaos. So I don't think Spurs are going to pull that together as much. It'd be fun for you though, Sean. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was I, Spurs. I think I think Liverpool because I think Gakpo with the preseason dream now is going to look an, an absolute. I think Gakpo. We we talked about Van Persie in Hoyland, where um, I think the nearest better comparison to Obi is Gakpo, someone who started on the wing was converted by Wenger centre centre forward. I think the same things happened with Gakpo. I think he will be a top class striker in the Premier League. Um, always thought that, and I think Liverpool will be back up there with Arsenal and City. I think mainly because of front three now with Darwin, um, Gakpo and Salah with Jotuk behind. I think they'll just have, they'll blow teams away. Not like they did last season where it was a bit, a bit of an evolution last season, but I think they'll just have too much. Although I think Ange, Ange Adiles at Tottenham as John christened him to me a few weeks ago. And that's a great, I think, yeah, there's going to be a lot of 4-3s, 5-3s, 5-2s for Tottenham this season. This is an interesting talking point. Where's Darwin actually going to play? Because don't forget Luis Diaz is fit again. And Liverpool paid mm. £50 million for Luis Diaz. They've got all five forwards fit now for the first mm. time. Firmino's gone. Is Gakpo going to be vying with Darwin to start centrally? And then it's Diaz versus Jota on the left. In the 10 slash 8. I saw Darwin play on the left when I was him at Newcastle. He was tremendous on that left-hand side. He was fantastic. Um, I think do they need him to do that? Because they've got Jota and Diaz who favour that role. It's, it's interesting. I don't know what Liverpool. I, th- I think do, yeah. But... I think it's it gives me confidence that I put them in third. I think it's I think that front five now now they know each other now. They've had that preseason with Clough. Could be very, could be really really dangerous. Uh, I'm seeing Liverpool fans saying they're going to ship a lot of goals this season as well because they're just so open. <laughs> but hey, it should be fun. Uh, Premier League season starts on Friday night. Blockbuster tie of the week is Chelsea versus Liverpool at Stamford Bridge on Sunday. We'll still be doing talking transfers the duration of the transfer window. Sorry that we missed a couple of shows, but we will be back on Friday, I believe, to pick up anything that's been happening and anything that will be happening over the coming weeks. This has been Talking Transfers from Graham, myself, 
Toby and Sean. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you soon. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.